go alien rangers this art fucking sucks go go alien rangers here comes kennedy yeah we gotta we gotta go to another planet get some new rangers okay kennedy planet, planet aquatar god <laughs> Oh, and we're like the the crazy thing is like you watched this shit twice, brother. Yes, I don't understand how you were able to watch it twice. Like I that, felt like that's, I had to. That that's like crazy to me. I could barely stand watching it once. I felt like I had oh, to to try to right. mine it for content. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm seeing right now how you were able to get through it twice. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> this shit um, fucking sucks, dude. I hate it. I really don't like it. Like, there's like three things I like about this 10 part arc. Okay, 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 okay. Let, let's start from the top. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So, Alien Rangers is like a 10 part. It's like, it's, it basically caps off season three and it's kind of like its own little mini season in a way. Yeah. So, Saban like decided, oh, BTW, Alien Rangers is its own thing separate from season three when it's really not. Because yeah. season three ends on a cliffhanger. Basically, there's this guy named Master Vile, who is Rita Repulsa's father. And yeah. he comes through, he fucks up some shit, but he concocts this plan basically to do a Superman 1 style event where he rotates the Earth in the opposite direction, causing time to travel backward and the Rangers to go back in time. <laughs> but not really. Human beings have traveled back in time, but they still have, like, 90s cars and, like, technology and stuff like that. God, the time travel thing is very confusing. They don't seem to know. It, 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 it does not seem to be clear at any point if simply everyone has been reversed in age or if time has actually traveled backwards. And at any given moment, they, they will give you information that is conflicts. You know, what you just thought. <laughs> they flip-flop back and forth constantly on what is and, like, isn't true. I, I just want to start off that the cliffhanger they leave it on is Zed and Rita turning giant. And Master Vile and everyone, like, just getting the own on the Rangers. And then the Alien Rangers kind of starts where Master Vile is like, Oh, okay, you guys are having too much fun. Report back to the base. We need to concoct a new plan to do something. I'm like, no, no, like you won, like you've won, you won. Zed and Rita could just go demolish the entire Earth, and they've got it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So Master Vile kind of fucks himself over. I just, uh, dude, uh, we like we could go over like all different ways that this this arc royally fucked up. And I think arguably made season three a worse show, a worse season than what could have been. This all stems from Easter eggs that they've planted throughout the season of season three, right? We were getting into this before the show, but that's kind of the confusing part, right? Is that this is sort of, and this is frustrating for me because this is what I've always wanted so far, right? I've been like, at the end of every season, I'm like, why, why don't they have like an end of season thing? That sort of ties everything together and caps everything off a little bit more, you know, and like, why don't they stop on these arcs that would do that? And it's like, the, here, they finally are giving me what I want, except it sucks and they didn't do a good job. And like, 
you know, there are all these breadcrumb little pieces of stuff that we've seen throughout season three, but it's really confusing and incoherent and not handled well. And much like we're talking about with the time travel thing, every breadcrumb like kind of felt that way where it was like, it was all of these things that like they were kind of referencing in these ways that like they were acting like you should understand and that it all made sense and none of it made sense. Master Vile turns back time to like, I'm pretty sure they say 10 years ago, but it's kind of impossible to think that because everyone's like 12, which would mean they all graduated high school at this point. Yeah, I don't. I'm confused. <laughs> Yeah, it's very confusing. Like, how old are these people? What is happening? I don't really know anymore. This whole Alien Rangers arc is just, like, so confusing. And, like, if you are to, like, try to take all of it as canon, it, it almost is, like, bad. Like, you're kind of indicating with this age thing. Like, how old are the Rangers? This doesn't make sense anymore. Basically, the Alien Rangers thing starts with the Rangers are kids. They don't have powers. Something about them being in the past makes a lot of things complicated with that stuff, it seems like. And basically, like... Zordon calls on the Aquatar Rangers from, yeah. from the planet Aquatar, which is a underwater planet that have humanoid creatures that live off of the pure water that's on their planet. He calls upon them, even though they all know that they can't really handle the environment here on Earth. Because they're essentially right. like giant fishies. They have a time limit on how long that they could be on Earth. But this time limit keeps getting shorter <laughs> the longer that they're on Earth, it seems like. Because the first time around, they're there for a couple of episodes before they're like, oh, we need to rehydrate, you know, and yeah. all this other stuff. And then the next thing you know, it's like every fucking episode. They're like... Uh, I'm dying. I, I, need, I need water. And then all of a sudden, like Zordon's all like, oh shit, uh, we can just teleport you guys back and to and fro perfectly fine. With like yeah. no no waste of resources or anything. No real consequences. Um, I guess also, we're getting our ahead of ourselves, but like not really. No, like, but let's just let's. I I don't even think it's worth it to try to like cleanly summarize all this shit. Let's just be messy because this is a fucking mess. Over and over again with this pure water stuff, there are so many confusing aspects of this pure water fucking conversation. I I can't even I can't even begin. I feel like we could do a whole episode just about this almost because it's so infuriatingly bizarre and inconsistent and stupid. Like one of the most confusing moments, it's like the fifth or sixth or seventh time that they've needed pure water. And, and, and they're like, where can we get some pure water for these guys? And first of all, they've found other local sources for them before, but somehow it's like once they use a source, they can't use it again or something. I don't know what's up with that. But that seems to be some kind of unspoken rule, I guess. Because, well, like, they get water from the fountain and from the lake and some stuff, but then they can't go back. They don't go back to that same spot. Every time they're fucking thirsty again, it's like they have to find a brand new source of water. Like, what are they? Are they sucking all the water out of the lake? Like, does the camera, like, if, if the camera was to pan back over the lake, is it just dry after they're done? Like, what the fuck is happening? I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> so Zordon's original reasoning was they transported them to like the public fountain or something like that, and they're like hydrating themselves off the fountain, which I guess that's pure enough because uh, the Angel Grove uh, filtration system 
is very good. <laughs> the municipal water program, very yeah. high tier. <laughs> very high tier. Uh, but they hydrate themselves at the public fountain. And given that it's school hours, there's nothing but adults that are like onlookers who are in business suits. So Zordon's then like, uh, it's kind of like a, a very sensual, very private affair. Let's not have you guys do this out in the public like that anymore to where people aren't watching you guys all the time. And then the Aquatar Ragers are like, oh, okay, yeah, fine. And so the next time they go to hydrate themselves is like in this northern part of the quarry. Over there, of course, they get interrupted by Zed's monsters. So it just feels like I don't understand why Alpha and Zordon never bothered to help come up with some hydration system for them in the meantime and left it all up to Billy. Someone who, yeah, you know, granted, is probably the smartest human being on Earth, but also, like, is not <laughs> Alpha 5 and Zordon. Fucking, okay, this is the most confusing part. So, during, like I say, during, like, the fifth or sixth or seventh water crisis, again, so they can't reuse water sources. There's I don't only know ten why. episodes in this fucking arc, by the way. So the um, fact that you even said, like, fifth, sixth, or seventh water crisis, like, yeah, this yes. is a constant thing. Yes. This is a constant um, plot point. These rangers really, suck, dude. It really feels like the sort of thing that should have been like one of those things where it's like, yes, the first time that they lose hydration, everyone should freak out and be like, hey, we have to find clean, pure water that these guys can hydrate with for as long as they're going to have to be here. But then as soon as they found that, that should have been the last time we heard about that shit, unless that source of water was like blown up. Or something like if Goldar comes down, is like, I've got your source of water now, Aquatar Rangers, and then like puts it in all the water in a big bottle or so. I'm just that seems like the kind of thing he would do. I don't know. Um, like and then like flies away with this big bottle of water, and they're like, no, the pure water of the fountain. The fountain is now dry. Then I would be like, okay, you can maybe do this even twice or something, right? But like. Yes, it's way too much. So anyway, so they're having this crisis and they're literally, they're at the command center and they're all like, it's too, I forget exactly what they say, but it's something to the effect of it's too bad we don't know where to get pure water in this time. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you, what the, do you not have maps in the early 90s? Were maps invented in the mid 90s for the very first time? What the shit are you guys talking about? And then especially because the source they end up, they go through this whole convoluted thing of going to the aquarium and talking to fucking fish to find the water. And um, and I, I, it turns out that it's just like some, some creek outside of town that they all should have probably just known existed. Like, what? Just what? I really, I don't... <laughs> I guess, like, the only, like... I only have like three positives to say about this whole entire arc, which is the ranger outfit's pretty cool. The Zords also pretty cool. And the way Saban or I guess the writers, because, you know, I'm not going to credit the CEO of a company uh, for coming up sure. with an invention. The way the writers wrote in how they would fit these new Zords and ranger outfits into the show was pretty neat. I thought mm -hmm. like because uh, in in these rangers specifically, they don't have to get inside the actual Zords that they control. They do it telepathically. So like they are absolutely symbiotic with their Zords. Yeah. So when the Zords get hit, they get hit. 
And they piloted it almost like a G Gundam style way, except just not being in the Zords. So they're yeah. they're like outside and they're doing like fighting moves in the middle of a desert and like uh, away from like society or whatever. So nobody could see them because they think they'll look <laughs> stupid. And uh, <laughs> as they control these these, you know, Zords or whatever. And it's it's pretty cool. Like, I'm not going to yeah. lie, the way they wrote it out or whatever, it seemed like they really thought about what they were going to do. And they really, like, decided... They executed that pretty well, I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, it starts... I will say, like, the Alien Rangers arc starts pretty strong. Like, no, I was pretty hype at no, first in terms of, like... I mean, comparative to where it goes. No, it doesn't. Like, like, like... <laughs> the very the, first go, episode... I watched it twice. Now, you can fight me, but I watched it twice. And let me tell you something. The first two <laughs> episodes, like, they set up an okay premise for like what is to come like like if if this had been a five-parter that was like more sensible and like had ended really strong you wouldn't even be talking shit right now you would be like <laughs> yeah the first two episodes are kind of weak but it's fine because like it, it comes together because like it sets up an okay an okay start it just gets so much worse so so much worse like i was ready to be excited the first time especially that i was watching alien rangers i i was ready to be excited those first couple of episodes i was like there's there's potential here it's yeah. kind of weird there's some things i don't like but there's potential here and i was trying so hard to be excited and then it just like starts beating you down as these 10 parts roll on and it just gets worse and worse but yes i will say the alien ranger outfits some of the coolest power ranger outfits ever in my opinion i know that they're simple but i like it it's just it's a good look yeah, no, it's 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 a dope ass fucking outfit. Episode the problem is is that episode one is largely home alone hijinks as the as the <laughs> the, the the now kid rangers have to like dodge Rito and Goldar from like getting captured. And it seems like what's holding back Rito and Goldar this this, I guess, mini arc or mini season that Saban decided was separate from season three <laughs> is that they're afraid to break the Geneva Convention and kill kids. And so because of that, they're all just like, we're going to capture the kids and and do something and have them hand over their power coins or whatever. <laughs> Episode one is very like Home Alone style hijinks as they dodge everyone and uh, they try and get to, to the command center in Zordon because their communicators don't work, so they can't teleport over there. Their power yeah. coins don't work because they're not adults. So it's just like... Yeah. Uh, <sighs> uh, it's it's not good. And even for, like, kids' TV, it's pretty shitty. Because it's not, it's right. not that entertaining to watch. Bulk and Skull are kids now, and they act like little shitheads now as well. And they're way worse. Yes, they're way worse as kids. On all fronts, we're being kind of assaulted here on what made season three such a good fucking season. Like, that's the problem, right? Like, yeah. That's, that's the biggest fucking problem with all of this. It's that season three was so good, and I came into Alien Rangers, like, really hyped to see what they were going to do. But honestly, I think what really fucked them over was this whole time skip thing. I don't understand why they couldn't just make them babbies. Like, just make them, like, little kids or whatever again. Apparently, it was because Zed already tried that and failed. But Master Valka just be like, yeah, because you're fucking Zed. 
I'm Master Vile. I've got like X, Y, and Z plot device to keep them as kids, right? Like I've infected yeah. them with dark energies to prevent them from ever turning back to kids. And the only way to get out of it is through the is through the cleansing uh, via the Zeo crystal. Like they could have just. I wrote a better fucking plot line in like two seconds, brother. <laughs> I, I feel like there's almost any way that you would have done this could have been better, honestly. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so bad that almost any alternative would be better. Uh, Biden 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like, <laughs> like you know, uh, it, like, that's how it feels in a lot of ways. I don't know. It's just like, uh, I feel like it would have been better if if they had just said, hey, these little kids, we, they, they, we just got to keep them out of harm's way. Rangers of Aquatar, that's you're you're the stars of this entire thing. Like, and we just focus on that even, you know? Like, I, I don't even care. Like, I do anything else. I also like, like uh, the fact that uh Delphine was the leader of those Rangers, too. That was pretty cool. Yes. Delphine that was cool. Delphine and Sestro. Sestro was the blue ranger. He was like the second most prominent one. I forgot what the yellow mm -hmm. ranger was called. He was okay. He seemed more of like a comedy relief style. Ranger. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, honestly, when Delphine, like, they would have a scene with her in it, she would look direct. She would, like, be talking to someone and then look directly in the camera, break the fourth wall and go, it's Morphin time. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they would do, like, group morphs. Like, the first time they did, like, white Aquatar Ranger, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then, like, after that one sequence, they were like, no, 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 let's just do a group. Let's just do a group morph the, every single time. And that worked out. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, it was super hype when she said it. I love that part. But, and Delphine in general was a pretty strong Aquatar character as well. I think that the Aquatar Rangers, like, yes, it's a little goofy, but also, like, go watch Star Trek from the 90s. This was perfectly, like, this was totally in lockstep with just, like, 90s sci-fi. You know, and if you if you take if you don't expect it to be as like sort of serious as we would do something like that now, you know, the way people like are about these things and like alien life and whatever, like and just put that aside. Just remember, it's a 90s kids show. I, the Aquatar thing in general as a concept was actually fine and, and like kind of like it was fun. I like the Aquatar Rangers in general, like even. I, yeah, I like the alien ranger outfits, but I like them outside of the suits, too. OK, I don't know. It was like. There's so many, this is why I was saying, like, I, even though I was like a little bit like, eh, I, I was like feeling like maybe they had set a foundation that was going to lead somewhere good, you know, but no, it just gets so much worse as it goes. It really like, it really like beat the fun out of me because I was trying so hard and I would say by the attack of the 60 foot bulk, I was checked out. Like, I was struggling. That's part of why I had to watch it a second time. I was struggling to, like, really pay attention. Dude, and you're, you're the one with an abundance to, like, being under the influence. I'm over here having to watch this shit sober, brother. <laughs> you're lucky. You're lucky. You're so lucky. I, watched, I feel it. I feel it this time. I, I feel it this time. I watched all of it sober, and it was getting close to, like, a ninja encounter levels like it yeah. was dangerously treading that for me at certain points yeah. especially by the the 60 foot bulk but yeah i i agree man i 
I just, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Like, I like Delphine. She's cool. Cestro's cool. Outfits are cool. The the the, the Zords are cool. But a yes. large amount of the plot lines were Aquatar Rangers are running out of water, so they can't help as much, so they need to rehydrate. And all the enemies involved taking away Aquatar's abilities to rehydrate. Zed and Rita are not only finding villains to do that, but they're also trying to come up with other schemes to like thwart Zordon's plans. And so uh, they come up with this scheme where Goldar and Rito are trying to put a bomb underneath the command center where they were working on the White Ranger in the second season. Apparently, like there's this secret basement that the command center has that has like a bunch of like, it's like a labyrinthian maze. And what yeah. ends up happening is because Bulk and Skull are kids and they can only play that up for so much, they then turn Goldar and Rito into Bulk and Skull. So, yeah. like, in the back half of this season, you have Goldar and Rito stuck in the command center not knowing their head from their ass and just, like, completely going through this, like, maze and, like, playing tic-tac-toe <laughs> and all this other stuff. And it's just, it's, it's really shitty because it's not funny. Yeah. Some of the, not that stuff in particular, but some of like the villain B plots were kind of good in a way, or at least interesting. I specifically, here's what I'll say in the very beginning, Rita Repulsa has kind of an absolute authority over her minions, and everyone, like her whole little crew, is relatively confident about what they're doing and how they're gonna crush Earth and the Power Rangers and you know, blah blah. And it's like by now. All of these people are like dysfunctional and being messy with each other all the time. Like the villains are just like at each other's throats sniping and I'm kind of here for it. <laughs> like it makes sense, you know, like they're getting their asses kicked over and over. And now they're just at the point of just all blaming each other. Like, you know, Rito's just there like, screw you, Goldar. If it wasn't for you, we would have we would have gotten them back there. You know what I mean? Like they're all just like harassing each other nonstop. And I'm kind of here for it. Yeah, I mean, that type of stuff's really good. I just don't particularly like... Like, I like the particular Zed being, like, excited that they get rid of Master Vile, even though he's quite powerful and was kind of helping them, just because he's, like, tired of dealing with Master Vile's bullshit. And you kind of get this sense that Zed's kind of like, if I'm going to lose, I'd rather just get my ass beat on my own terms without Dad here yelling at I'd me. I'd rather stand yeah. on my feet than die on my knees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no, um, master vile threw a tantrum in the earlier part of this season even though like obviously he had the aquatar rangers and like the the regular kid rangers like within the grasp of defeat but like i said yes. he self-sabotaged himself and then when he realized it, i guess he just like threw a tantrum and was just like i'm out of here i'm going back to my own universe where evilness reigns and this is amazing and so Zed is all like, fuck yeah, we got him out of the way. I could do my own thing now. And Zed, I think, was the only smart one out of all of the villains this in this mini arc. Zed was the only smart one because he realized that he needed to harness the power of the Zeo Crystal to be able to be the supreme being of the universe. Because that was the one thing that Master Vile could not do, which was harness the power of the Zeo Crystal without inflicting damage upon himself yes zed definitely seemed to have like schemes within schemes here he seemed on point 
and he he ultimately i mean even with all of their efforts in the end he ultimately does kind of get the upper hand the the other b plot to all of this is that once they get uh the aquatar rangers into a steady like rehydration zone i suppose uh even though that still becomes an issue even towards the like last two episodes they send these little kids throughout time to go and find a zeo crystal that i guess tommy so let, let me get this straight. Okay. In season three, to the Zeo crystals introduced. Tommy breaks the Zeo crystal into pieces and then separates it, I guess, throughout time and space. And so the, the kid rangers now have to go back in time, explore their heritage, and find their respective Zeo crystal and bring it back. The person who ultimately gets shafted here is Billy. I don't know why they did this to Billy. So Billy becomes a kid ranger. He makes this thing called the regenerator to regenerate people back to their normal age. And so what he ends up doing is he gathers all the power coins, makes this regenerator contraption using toys around his house, and is able to regenerate himself into, you know, the appropriate age, which, I mean, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. For what reason? Because now, like, if if we're quote unquote back in the past, his parents, like, he's actively said, "Hey, Tommy, can you call my parents and tell them I'm gonna be late?" And like all this other stuff. But now Billy's a fucking adult, and then by the end of the season, everybody's back to their normal age. So like, is Billy ten years older now? I'm confused. What? I don't. None I of don't. it just doesn't make any fucking sense, dude. And no. it was basically ultimately a way to shaft Billy and put him into like this like technical support role. Yeah. He's then trying to figure out all the solutions while the kid rangers kind of just stand around and go and then go on their Zeo quest. You know, I kind of <laughs> thought like we were going to be done with like overt racism for a bit, but apparently not because this is actually the most racist the show has been. Yeah. It's actually really fucking bad. So let's start with the, the, the Zeo quest. Basically, the Aquatar Ranger saying, hey, you're going to have to go back in time to explore your heritage, figure out more about yourself, and get the Zeo crystals. And the first one up is Rocky. Yeah. Rocky, I guess, is Mexican. And it's not really apparent as to where he is. He's probably in, like, before California was a state, yeah. I'm assuming. <laughs> maybe it's, well the, no he's near a volcano it, it's not really explicit on his location more so is like he's mexican and so he's by like i guess a mexican village and the way they introduce it is there's this little kid who is right by where rocky like warps in and rocky talks to the kid the kid talks in spanish and he's like uh i don't talk spanish and the kid goes, oh, don't worry. I know a bit of English. So and then we can talk. And speaking English perfectly. And then, yeah, he starts speaking English perfectly for the rest of the, the rest of the episode. It's not a problem with communication at that point. Yeah. And what I don't understand is, and I'm going to preface this because every single heritage story has this sort of issue, right? It's like, why didn't the Aquatars, for as advanced as they are as a civilization, or Zordon or Alpha, just give them universal translators. Just say, hey, I've bestowed upon you 
the powers of universal translation or something like that. Or they could bring their communicators that act as like universal translators to where when they talk, they talk into whatever language that the other person can understand. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand why they did that. Because instead, it just makes it this like imperialistic Eurocentric vision of what going back to the past would be like for a kid's TV show. And so Rocky like ends up basically just taking a pile of rope, going with the kids to the volcano, exploring the volcano, and getting pulling the Zeo crystal out of the volcano, which was causing the, the volcano to be unstable. So essentially, he saved the day uh, because that volcano was going to erupt at any moment and like yeah. spill over to the village. Cool. Yes. Except for the fact okay. that Rocky admits that he didn't know he was me- he didn't know he was Mexican, and I'm like, yeah. that's neoliberalism, baby. Let's go. <laughs> it's it's really hard to talk about because as a kid, just for clarity, like I was born in the 90s, right? I was born in the early 90s. I'm Puerto Rican, and growing up as a kid, my family really didn't prioritize me learning Spanish that much because. They wanted me to fit in as much as possible right. within society. And I was racially discriminated against within my education system as well because of my ethnicity. Because they were going to put me in a like a, a bilingual class, which was behind like regular education when I was in elementary school. And so like because of that, seeing that play out, I was like, oof, yikes, dude. Like this kind this pulled me back back to when I was a kid. Yeah, man, I tried to be as white as possible when I was a kid. And that that affected me growing up, too. Right. And so, like, yeah. I think that, like, that's that's how they were kind of portraying Rocky in this instance, too. And Fucking like, weird. Yeah. It happens again in the next episode with I guess it's Adam this time around. And Adam goes back to the past, I guess, back to Asia where his family was. And he's oh, talk- God. He's talking English, and then at first he, like, says, oh, well, you know, I know how to say hello in this language. So he says hello, and the lady's like, what are you doing? I could talk English as well. And I'm like, wait, what? How does that make any fucking sense? Adam has this crazy old guy stereotype mentor that follows him around. It's very, oh, God. By compare, like... We just made Rocky's thing sound bad. By comparison, Rocky's story arc was sensitive as hell. <laughs> yeah. Like, Adam's, my God. <laughs> yeah, Adam's, Adam's heritage quest is culturally like, insensitive. Yes, like, like Rocky's heritage quest is appropriative, but Adam's is insensitive. It is completely fucking insensitive it is i wouldn't wild. even say offense i would the words offensive wouldn't even come out of me yet because we're not even up to the worst one yet we're not. <laughs> like <laughs> so adam's heritage quest he's basically looking for a man by a waterfall which the lady that's there that intro that, that like introduces him to the land or whatever um is basically like yeah there's this man by a waterfall uh he he's like He's like kind of like a mythological figure around town or whatever who claims to be very powerful and stuff. And so Adam meets up with this old man mentor type character who is kind of like trashing Adam along the way as Adam's trying to find the man behind the waterfall. And like the way the guy talks is culturally insensitive. Like it's it's just all bad. And all Adam's Heritage Quest is asking people, 
Hey, are you the man behind the waterfall? Hey, are you the man behind the waterfall? Oh, well, I'm going to start walking around. And then he makes his way to the waterfall. And the man reveals himself to be the man behind the waterfall. And then they get the crystal. And bam, yep. that's, that's it. There's no plot. There's no plot. And this takes like a no. good 10 minutes out of an 18-minute episode or 19-minute episode. Mind you, a minute yeah. of this 19-minute episode is the theme song. Go, go, Alien Rangers. <laughs> Let's get into the worst one, shall we? Uh, Let's go into Tommy's Heritage Quest, brother. Fuck me. God damn so it's you know? Elizabeth Warren fucking bullshit. God so damn it. did you know that Tommy, the character, is Native American? <laughs> did you know that this Jason is David Frank is of Irish and German and... Two other fucking European <laughs> descendants. This is definitely peak. This is definitely peak fucking just just nineties racial blindness, like racial ambiguity, fetishization. I don't even know. Fuck God. No, this <laughs> they're straight up being racist. Like it's not like yes. oh well we meant oh, to, yeah. we meant to take into account the Native American perspective on all of this, and we thought we were doing good. No, 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 no. Uh, let's not, let's not, let's not fucking kid ourselves here. They're being really fucking racist. Like every single heritage quest, the kids specifically say, "I'm finding a big rock," or you could say a crystal, right? And then eventually, if they don't say crystal at first, they eventually say crystal. And for Tommy, he literally only ever says big rock. He talks in broken English to the people nearby, and the Native Americans are just like, you know, look at the falcon. And he's like, no, big rock. And they're just like, look at the falcon. And he's like, no, big rock. Oh, God. And then eventually there's this Native American who speaks English, because I mean, like, of course. And he's communicating with Tommy, and he's all like, He's showing Tommy essentially like drawings on a rock detailing like this mystical background of the Zeo crystal apparently or something like that. And and this Native American also has superpowers, it seems like, right? Like he can he can transform himself into a whirlwind and disappear in and out of sight and teleport yeah. himself. They just end up finding the crystal and he takes the crystal and blam, he's out of there. But like, again, I want to reiterate, these are like 10-minute segments. Tommy's is split with cats, and cat yeah. isn't really racist because cats in Australia, and, you know, white people can't be racist against other white people, really. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad that for cat, they weren't like, oh, you're secretly aboriginal, given the, the fucking way that they went with everybody else. Like, I'm glad that they were just like, hey, you're just white. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, she just is in a, she's in like a well, weird time white. travel she's Australian, paradox. right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, the, that's uh, their basis for this, right? It's Heritage Month at school, baby. Right. Uh, but it's like, yeah, she's just caught in a weird time travel paradox anyway. She doesn't even really learn about her heritage. Yeah, no, she just like meets somebody who looks exactly like her who is the original actor, and then they pick up someone along the way who is in need of help. The lady that they pick up also looks like Cat. Yeah. Kid Cat has to 
make a decision whether she wants to help this person along the road who needs to get to like town for like supplies or like to eat and, and get water and stuff like that or get the crystal. The lady who's essentially big cat is all like, hey, it's either get the crystal or help this person out. What do you want to do? And she's all like, well, yeah, let's help this person out. It's okay. That's basically the extent of that. They bring this stranger over to the village. The vi the stranger thanks her, and then she's rewarded with her Zeo crystal. And bam, she's yeah, back. Yeah, the old lady has it. Ta-da! Yeah. But like, out that of those... Is, that, that looks like you and is you, probably. Out of those four, Tommy's is easily the worst one out of all so of them. bad. It, it's like so fucking racist. And this whole time, right, they do these four first. And at the beginning of all this, when they say, hey, you're going to go back in time and explore your heritage and stuff. I was I was like yelling at my TV like, Aisha, Aisha, no, Aisha, <laughs> no, Aisha, don't do it. And come to find out Aisha's heritage quest is the best one out of all yes. of them. Yes. Not that there's nothing wrong here, but God, it's it's a lot better than all the others by uh, by a long shot. Yes. Um <laughs> so Aisha's heritage is she goes back to Africa. She's in like a grasslands and she's getting chased by a lion. She meets up with this person named Tanya who is basically saying, hey, you know, my family is here, but we're having a tough well, time living. No, her family went missing. So she's just been living in this African village ever since. And like, that's her basic story. Okay. But what threatens this African village is the animals nearby. And lo and behold, Aisha has extensive knowledge about animals because she ran a, she helped run a pet sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And she just loves animals and stuff like that. So Aisha's heritage, uh, basically, she gets the Zeo crystal, but the African village is like, hey, we will give you the Zeo crystal, but we need your help. Aisha decides to give the Zeo crystal to Tanya and tells Zordon, Zordon, I've got to stay. Because if I don't, this family will die out. I'm the only one that can help save them because I have this knowledge about all of the local wildlife nearby. Yeah, and it's and, her family, obviously. Like like with all the other quests, you know, this is, uh, you know, it, it's it's her great aunt or whatever that is the, the wise woman. Yeah, and a, a cool thing about this one, though, is that A, Zordon's pretty cool with it. He's like, I figured this would happen with one of you guys uh, going back to see your heritage. Secondly, um, Aisha's like, I'm home. It's like, wow, it almost seems like it wasn't written by a white person. I felt really good about it. But I, I was like texting Kennedy while this was going on. And I was like, how the fuck? How the fuck did they get Aisha's heritage quest right and fuck up everyone else? Like, it, it's it does seem amazing, wild. especially considering up till now throughout like the mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, there's been a lot of racially insensitive moments involving the black characters, you know, <laughs> like it's 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 not like, you know, Aisha's been getting off light in terms of like the writing being like racially insensitive up till now. So I was fully after watching all of these extremely racist and then cats just weird 
backstories. I was fully prepared for, for Aisha's backstory to be maximum racism overdrive. <laughs> like, 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 like nothing I had never seen before. Uh, and then it was actually somehow like kind of okay. Yeah. Throughout the the rest of the slice of life stuff that happens in between these heritage quests is mostly like Billy trying to find a solution to their rehydration problem for the Aquatars Quishans, excuse me. And dude, the slice of life the slice of life stuff sucked. Yeah. Like the Sentai footage was pretty good, but even the Sentai footage after a while kind of sort of didn't make sense because Eventually, yeah. the the they call them Borgs, like they're battle Borgs or whatever. I like the callouts, you know, the power <laughs> of water, the power of life, you know, unite. And they, they yeah. send out the Borgs or whatever. That stuff's cool. But why is it that they're able to form into the Shogun Zord? You know, it's not really explained. The final fight against Hydro Hog. Hydro Hog is an incredible villain because Hydro Hog is essentially the Equitian's Lord Zed. Because Hydrohog's power is to evaporate and soak up water. Yeah. And so seemingly what he does with his powers is he's able to control like evaporation and he feeds off the water that he consumes or at least stores it within himself. And he's able to control clouds and wind, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like it's not really his powers aren't clearly outlined, but at the same time, too, it's very well understood that his power level is on, like, the power level scale of Zed, right? Because, like, he's constantly been a thorn in the Equitian's side. And the Equitians have outright stated, they were like, hey, we alone, we couldn't defeat Hydrohog. Like, we're going to need yeah. help. And so yeah. they're like, yeah, don't worry, you guys got the Shogun Swords. So they defeat Hydrohog, but not using the Shogun Sword, which, by the way, the Shogun Sword this entire time has been, like... Omae wa shinderu. Like, like the Bushido, like the Bushido Zord of second season. Where essentially whenever the Shogun Zord comes out, he does this like flamethrower sword attack that just one hit KOs everything, right? Whenever they bust it out. KO. It, it sucks. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Why would they pilot a Zord yeah. that actively use flames? Why isn't there any water powers involved? I don't know, man. Yeah. It's it's bad. It's it's rough. It's bad. I will say this, Tanya's introduction is pretty good in terms of like we've talked a lot about how do you introduce a new ranger right after like the season 2 debacle of you know introducing all these rangers in a way that makes them look dumb and goofy as opposed to cool. Tanya got the like, best send-off. Let's just say yeah, that. Yeah. She got a great send-off first of all. Also, Tanya's introduction it's not as like deep as like cats was, but it's uh what it lacks in like that like time and like depth, it makes up for just in terms of like Tanya's backstory feels like a fucking superhero backstory. Like like Tanya's parents were explorers in Africa who died and she's been living in a village, like learning to like save people from dangerous animals and shit. You know, when you just think of like a classic comic book type backstory. Tanya has something that like gives you some of those kind of vibes and it's compared to so like I say we've had some of these other introductions be kind of weak Tanya's introduction you get the sense even though like you don't know that much about her and she's brand new you get the sense like she's just got that superhero energy so I did appreciate that yeah yeah I, I like it I like it a lot they weren't like 
racist in her depiction of like attire and outfits. I was really scared of that as well. I enjoyed Tanya for the, the little bit of screen time that we got in this one. And I look forward to Power Rangers Zeo because the way they ended it was pretty cool. That you got your ending that you've always wanted, Kennedy. Yes. yes. We'll talk about that in the, the season review more, I think. But I think overall, like this ninja, I don't understand why Saban decided, hey, let's separate this from season three. I don't like it. It's not good. You could cut this 10-parter into like five. Even less. I honestly think like four almost. Yeah. Like it just <laughs> like it should have just been it should have just been the, the heritage quest, probably, right? Like Yeah, we spent too much time with the the equations getting a good source of water and stuff like that. Cut out all of the slice of life parts. Uh have the equations um be like, hey, we're on a time limit here due to hydration. Yeah. And send them on to a Zeo quest and be like, all right, they need to come as soon as possible, you know? And then in the meantime, the equations are like fighting the enemies and holding them off while the kids are doing that. And yeah. like, you just do that for four parts. Boom. Do the pollution thing where Billy uh, tried to like have a water purifier thing for uh, the equations. And then the barbaric brothers came in and wrecked their shit. And then Billy was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to make one of these machines for a very long time. Right. Like, they could mm -hmm. have done that and then be like, okay, now we're really on a time limit now because we barely got any power left. And then introduce Hydro Hog as all of the Rangers do their heritage quests. And then end it, you know, the way they did. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. They could have stuffed that in, like, four parts. We're completely glossing over some of the episodes. Like, as much as, like, we've gotten into, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, a number of different scenes and things, we're completely glossing over some of the episodes. And the fact that we could do that and we could just... We just end this here. I, I do want to touch on some of the episodes we haven't yet slightly, but we could just end this here, right? And somebody who listened to this would already know everything they needed to know. They, they don't need to know about these episodes that we haven't mentioned yet. There's nothing in them that's worth knowing. Like, that's, that's the situation that we're in here with, like, some of these, like, middle episodes. Uh, we've talked a lot about how the middle filler episodes of multi-part arcs in the Power Rangers can be a letdown. This is like to the max because it's like you have two okay-ish episodes that set things up. Then you've got five fucking garbage episodes and then three okay-ish episodes that end it. So like, it's bad. All right, so let's talk about the shit in the middle. So between the introduction of the Equitions and the uh, Zeo quests and the ending, there's five episodes that have like no content. So like we've touched on a few of them slightly, but one in particular that I want to talk about because I think it's probably sort of spectacularly bad in a way that should be addressed at least a little is Attack of the 60-Foot Bulk. This is one of the worst episodes of the Power Rangers that I've seen so far. And I actually am regretful. I know the reason why you want to talk about this. I'm regretful that I didn't call <laughs> this the worst episode of season three now. Because I watched it the first time. And like I say, I kind of just fell into a, a daze of <laughs> trying to get through Alien Rangers. And I wasn't really like processing it fully. And then I watched it the second time, which I did just over the last couple of days before recording this. And I was like, man, I should have picked I should have picked this potentially as the worst episode of season three. This was trash. Billy's like, a, a chaperone, brother. 
to all, <laughs> to all the kids take, going to the water park. That's the plot. Yeah, it's That's like, the... hey, we're having a summer vacation day. Also, he's posing as Tommy's uncle. Apparently that's... We still don't really know the way the school system... And, like, it makes the plot holes even bigger when you talk about this episode. Because, like, Billy's parents... What, what's going on with Billy's parents, right? If Billy's the yeah. chaperone to Tommy, Billy's parents oh, didn't age God. in 10 years. What the fuck? They're just, like, wondering where the fuck their son is. Yeah. Billy's just like living on the streets, not telling anybody how bad it really is. And it's like, nah, you know, it's fine. He, Billy, you is... know, actually, he's probably just sleeping in the command center. Before this, <gasps> these guys are in high school; they're not like full blown adults yet. But Billy's just being like, "Oh no, I'm an adult now. I am. I can drink beer now." And I'm like, "Yeah, Yost, you're 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 the oldest of all the ragers. I don't know why they didn't have you graduate sooner, brother." <laughs> yeah billy it's like it's funny because he goes from being like a teenager to a kid to turned back except now he's he's like he's like even older he's like he, he's just acting like it's like as if before he was changed he was like 15 and now he's 19 like <laughs> zed's master plan in all of this is to change bulk into a monster and one of the reasons why he changes him is because bulk is acting like a shithead this whole time and bulk acts like a shithead from the start by saying hey my uncle owns this park so he goes to skip the line and you're like this confirms my conspiracy theory but upon rewatch but but upon my watch it seemed like he just did it to try and like skip the line. And then when he got confronted by the lifeguard, the lifeguard was like, Hey, there's a line here. You go back. Cause he could have easily been a shithead saying, Hey, my uncle owns this park. He can fire you. You know, I now I agree with like, it could have just been posturing, but I think he meant it. And I, I know that this could be just construed as me just being wishful, but there's been too many signs. First of all, that bulk, comes from wealth and then second of all like i don't know there's something about the way that this like stuff goes down and the way he acts at the water I forgot. park. it was also like, kind of racist the way they portrayed the the black lifeguard too yes because they they try to portray him as a scary black man and because they they had like a the director of photography had a specific shot camera shot that was like from the chest up yeah. And it was like an upward angle to make him seem extremely intimidating. Yeah. So it's possible. It's very well possible that I'm not going to not give it to you. If that's your headcanon, I can see why it's your headcanon. I believe, <laughs> I mean, I believe already that, that, you know, Bulk is a rich fail son as well. It's just more or less like I think he was just posturing for the sake of posturing. But given the, the way the director of photography portrayed it, and everything is possible that Bulk is just scared of the the big black scary man. Yeah, I mean that's I was kind of thinking that it was like a little bit of that sort of thing, just in terms of my perception of it was like Bulk is like his uncle really does own this water park. But it's like, okay, so rich people, they 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 can all like pull those facts out, but like he's probably met this uncle like twice, right? He can't just call this uncle and immediately get whatever he wants necessarily. Right, this is my head cannon. We're really getting deep into the psychology of me when I'm watching this show, um, and uh, like you know, so it's like I kind of see this probably one of those kind of things. And he's just like he's this kid. He's just scared of this like 
frightening adult, you know, that's like intimidating him. And it's just like, you know, uh, it's not worth trying to keep fighting for this like thing that he feels like he deserves or whatever in that moment. But it doesn't make it not true, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my <laughs> my weird theorizing about bulk. But what made this episode so bad, Kennedy? Everything? I don't know. Is there something in particular you want me to point out? Because like, I feel like there's so many things that I hated about this episode. Guys, Bulk <laughs> is our friend. We need to help him, despite him acting like a shithead towards us at every single moment of the show. Bulk. There's definitely that. Bulk, there's there's you're a, a good lot boy, of not a bad boy. Come on. No. Yeah. No, I'm the brat boy. I'm not a good boy. I'm the brat boy. <laughs> I figured it was either like that, that weird fighting or I thought maybe you were going to lean into an even weirder point and talk about the fact that Bulk just blatantly gaslights Skull for no reason towards the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, the Rangers go and, and gaslight Bulk into, like, Believing that all he just had a dream about being turned into a monster. And then Bulk proceeds to gaslight Skull and saying, dude, that never happened. What are you talking about? It's like Bulk seems to do it, too, with that naturalness of somebody who's just used to fucking with someone. You know what I mean? Like somebody who just who just takes that stance of like, I'm going to fuck with you regardless. Like, I don't have a reason. I don't need a why. I just want to make sure that like. The state of your mind is eroded enough that you keep going along with my plans, Skull. <laughs> yeah, this was an episode that could have probably been skipped. And 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 uh, look, we've actually seen Bulk and Skull act kind of redeemable before. Like part of the problem we're talking about here is kid Bulk and Skull are even worse than adult Bulk and Skull. So the fact that if these... you thought Bulk and Skull were a waste of time before, <laughs> wait so until you that... see kid Bulk and Skull. <laughs> the fact that these Rangers are like encouraging Bulk, you're not so bad, you're not so bad. It's like you're lying. You're just lying. And you know that you're lying. Like, this guy sucks even in your time, but he's slightly redeemable. But he's shown us no signs of being even like, 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 if this had been handled a little bit more like when Bulk and Skull saved the Rangers, you know, in season two. And like, Bulk had like done something redemptive shortly before this and like we had been seeing bulk kind of go back and forth and so like that's why zed was able to manipulate him into turning into an evil monster but also that's why they're able to pull him out is because we've seen both sides that would have actually been good like legitimately probably pretty good because like that feeds into like a lot of the best bulk and skull stuff that we've ever seen right but instead it just feels like Bulk is being a complete shit in every episode of the Alien Rangers arc. And for some reason, everyone's like, nah, Bulk, we love you. Yeah. I, I don't really have too much else to say, dude. This, uh, this shit sucks so much. This shit sucks. I wish I could recommend it. I honestly don't but, even know. Before we, before we head out with this recording, I do want to say one last thing. In the end, when uh, they bid farewell to the Equitians, they're all the the Rangers end with like all being uh back to I don't know are they high schoolers I don't I don't fucking know anymore because I don't know I don't know they were like 
I swear to you, they're like 12 years old when they when they go back in time. But they become adults again, and they bid the equations farewell. Again, I would like to reiterate, Delphine and Sestro are the best ones out of the bunch, but that's because they probably are just the ones with the maximum amount of like screen time and lines. And Delphine, when she says goodbye, first of all, it's really awesome that Delphine is the White Ranger. I would like to say that. You know, she's the mm -hmm. leader of the squad, and that's pretty awesome. Delphine winks at Tommy. Yes. And Tommy... So glad we're talking about this. Tommy nods. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, bro. <laughs> bro. In the, in, the, in the 10 minutes between when Tommy became an adult again and the equations had to leave, he got some of that. Yeah, dude. Like... <laughs> There was, like, obvious sexual tension with that wink or whatever. It's, like, completely unexplained. And she just winks at him and gives, like, a smile at him. And then they're like, all right, we're off. I'm like, bro, my man's is going to Aquatar. <laughs> <laughs> that wet Aquatar pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, dude. This is this is fucking ridiculous. All right, what are we giving Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers out of 10? Actually, I want to do it like this. I think we should rate the whole thing. I also think we should pick a best and worst. You I wish I wish, I wish everybody listening this? at home. I wish everybody listening at home could see Grab's face right now cuz as soon as I said best, he's just like, "What are you talking about?" Starts rubbing his what eyes. You, what are you having me do right now? <laughs> when are you doing this to me okay all right fine best and worst episode worst episode was whichever episode was tommy's ninja uh heritage quest okay i think that's like eight that one it's too racist yeah it's so racist that it's not even like 90s racial blindness it's like actually racially offensive like to the point yeah. of like being dog shit like yeah and adam's quest too Adam's quest is also really bad, and I don't know what Adam's lesson was other than, hey, maybe if I stop being a shithead for five minutes, I'll get some answers. I think yeah. that, was the, that was the lesson to be learned from Adam's heritage quest. Yeah. I think if you take out the heritage quest, it's probably Bulk's episode, Attack of the 60-Foot Bulk. Best episode, episode two. The introduction of the Equation mm. Rangers, where they introduce themselves, have the suits... Uh, I like the, I think one thing that we didn't talk about is the aqua effect on their voices. I thought that was cool, you know, because it's I'm very, fine with it. it's kind of explicit that they sort of have gills, but they conceal the gills mm -hmm. uh, because when they introduce Delphine and the rest of the Equation Rangers, her head kind of like does this like really swirly neck thing where she has to like hide her gills in and stuff. I thought the introductions for the Equation Rangers were great. So yeah, I got to say episode two is probably the best one. And what's your, what's your rating overall? I'm teetering on like four. <laughs> All right. So I think I would honestly rate it probably like overall. Three. Yes. I was about to say, I was just about to say my rating is a three and I'm not just trying to outdo you or anything. Like that was just the number I had in my heart since you asked the question originally. This is a three out of 10. This is one of, this is some of the worst Power Rangers we've watched so far. And that's saying a lot because we literally just said that about season two. <laughs> like, just like how rough a lot of it was. And then season three was this incredible comeback overall. 
but this was really bad, really, really bad. You know as what I would have as... liked? You know what, what? could have made this season so much better? Ninja, baby. <laughs> and they literally don't even explain adequately. So when Ninja leaves, he he says, "If you ever need me, just hit me up." Basically, like I'll be around. I'm your ally from now on. Like he's very explicit. This is not. This is this. This is all the way back to the the beginning of season three. He's very explicit. That like he's their ally, he's he's gonna be there for them. For some reason, at the start of this Alien Rangers thing, and I, I don't know if maybe there's just a plot point that I missed somewhere. Uh, because again, I, I fully admit I was struggling to like keep track of everything because it's so fucking confusing and like to figure out what things are just like inconsistent and like that's just how it is, and what things are me maybe missing something, you know. Um like they the, at the beginning of the alien rangers thing when they're trying to figure out to do before they call the equations they're like if only we could get ninjor's help but we can't why no one knows not clear at all why can't they have what's holding ninjor up as far as like we tried to figure out if there was something that we missed before we recorded this as far as we can tell Ninjor is just at the temple chilling this whole time while this shit's going down. Ninjor probably could have like fixed this whole problem himself. They say they can't go like, get Ninjor because he's back like 10 years ago would place him back at his temple and having not oh, met no, the wait. Rangers before. I remember what the, they say they don't know where it is in the past. Yeah. But Zordon had a map but that Zord he just had. Well, I mean, like, Zordon doesn't have the map anymore, brother. Ten years ago, they didn't have the same information. Like, Zordon's been pretty apparent. He's like, yeah, I mean, like, we're ten years back in the past, so, like, I don't have that information. One of the other, like, funny moments, I guess, of the season is that Zordon finds out that a lot of the issues that was happening with the command center was because something was unplugged. Oh, yeah. And Alpha 5, like, plugs it back in, and Zordon's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, he says something <laughs> along those lines just without the, without the curse word in there. Yeah, so three out of ten, I would say for me the worst one. I'm torn because I I really feel you on the the racism argument, but I think I have to go with Attack of the Sixty Foot Bulk still probably just because I hate that shit so much. That was such a miserable episode to watch. I just couldn't stand it. Uh, but it's a close call because the racism is really racist. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, um, I want to make an addendum to our last episode. So the voice uh, actor, you know how we said about Ninjor having like a voice that I've heard before and I mm -hmm. couldn't quite place it. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I heard it in like other cartoons because it's like a pretty, it's a pretty well-known type of vocal tone. Well, apparently, according to the wiki, Ninjor had a vocal tone that is reminiscent of the classic cartoon character Dudley Do-Right or Marvin the Martian. I see. Interesting. That's close. So yeah, so uh, worst episode is probably Attack of the Sixty Foot Bulk or Episode Eight. I'm not sure, honestly. Think when I really think about I it, think the best episode, in my opinion, was probably Episode Nine, which is like Aisha's... the beginning of Aisha's quest. It's also just like a it's a, it's just an okay episode. I thought like in terms of like the villains are up to their stuff and their scenes are fine. The Quishans are kind of on their weird water shit again, but it's not that dominating this time. And then, like, the fighting was, like, decent. I don't know. It's just, it's just a pretty... It was, like, it's all right. <laughs> That's maybe, like, a five or six out of ten episode in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it's, like, a six. But, like, episode two was, like, an eight, brother. 
That it was like absolutely <laughs> pogged when you see the Equation Rangers just fucking shit up, and then Master Valve's like, yeah. oh, "Oh, I can't take it anymore. Oh, I'm out of here." Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just probably being biased towards Aisha's Zio story. You're good. You're good, man. But all right, we're <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna just end this right we'll here. Just before, end this on just like on a somewhat good note. Peace out, guys. Rangers. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.